1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. Amen. We're still in this series on faith and prayer. And uh, let's open with uh, Acts 17, 28, which is kind of a theme verse for this series. For in him we live and move and have our being. And so, you know, we, I think sometimes we live in this world we're coping with this world, we're dealing with this world, and so we can lose sight of the fact that in him we live and move and have our being. And from the beginning, we've said that prayer is a call to fellowship with Father God and to love him as he has loved us. So this evening, we want to head down a little bit of a different path and talk about the integrity of the word. And this is an assumption that we make here at Faith Christian Center. And if somebody just came to Faith Christian Center, you're probably not even aware of a war raging against this very thing. And it's not a recent war. It's been raging a long time. And to me, the integrity of the Word of God is the beginning and the end of faith because it's the Word of God that we count on. Anybody ever... Well, let me ask you this. Have anybody here had somebody lie to you in the last seven days? I got my hand up. Had somebody lie to you in the last seven days? Well, what would it be like to come to the conclusion that you couldn't count on God? But see, a lot of Christendom lives in that world where they've been taught. They've been trained. You know, I, I remember when we first got married back in the late 70s, early 80s, there was one of the most famous teachings out there in fact, we met that guy, wrote that book, and there was a, a, a picture on the cover of the book of a stoplight, and the thesis of the book was that God's a stoplight. So when you go to God in prayer, sometimes the answer is red, no, sometimes the answer is green, yes, sometimes the, red, the answer is yellow, which means, you know, caution or, you know, wait, or if you drive like I do, it means go faster. <laughs> but uh, the point is that they were teaching this stuff. And I was just saying in the green room behind the, the stage that, you know, I, I've known God and served God and walked with God 60 years. He's never one time said no to me. I, I, don't, I don't remember ever God ever saying no. In fact, I don't remember God ever saying wait. Now, he made me wait sometimes, but I don't remember him saying wait. And then where do people come up with stuff like this? You know, I mean, okay, so God's a stoplight. So where is that? See, in other words, it's just somebody's idea. It's just somebody's theory. It's just somebody's, uh, actually, it's somebody's imagination trying to explain. All right. So the integrity of the word is the basis of our faith. Say it out loud. The integrity of the word of God, the of the of God is the basis, the basis of our faith. On the contrary, in other words, turn that coin over, the reason for unbelief and a faltering faith is a lack of assurance of the integrity 
of the promises of God. Now, being from my generation, and, and we can still do business like this with some folks, but this saying is gone now. A man's word, a man's word is his bond. But that's the way I operate, whether the other guy operates that way or not. But there are people in our lives that we can operate with like that, but that's going away. And that's kind of the relationship we have with Father God. If we can't count on his word, we can't count on God. And this is why this dark world and Satan and liberal preachers constantly try to chip away at the integrity, the veracity, the accuracy, and the divine inspiration of the scriptures. This is what it's all about. You know, when you, when you go to a seminary, even though the seminary that I went to was a conservative seminary, they taught us the, the different points of view and uh, higher criticism, lower criticism, and all of this, and, you know, the JEDP theory that there were actually four authors of the first five books of the Bible, and, but all of it is designed to chip away at your faith and your confidence in the Word of God. But in Romans 10.8, the Bible, the Word of God, is called the Word of Faith. Romans 10.8, but what does it say? The Word, the Word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the Word of Faith we are pro proclaiming. So Paul himself called the Bible the Word of God. Paul called it the Word of Faith. Now, God's Word gives birth to faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. God's word is God's faith expressed. Look at Hebrews 11.3, the faith hall of fame. Hebrews 11.3, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. In other words, this universe literally came into existence uh, fresh from the spirit of God when he spoke. He, he had an idea in his mind and he spoke God operates by faith a lot of people don't realize this once you realize this it it makes it easier it did for me it makes it easier to operate by faith because God is not expecting anything of us that he doesn't do himself God operates by faith Jesus did this all the time I mean there's there's no evidence of Jesus having a crystal ball in his pocket so when he said Lazarus come forth that was an act of faith do you understand? So he operated that way all the time. All God did to create was to say, let there be, and there leapt into being the things that are. That's all, he, that's all he had to do, is release his faith by the spoken word. Now, God and his word are one. Now, again, I'm going to use some old school phrases that are not popular anymore, they're out of favor. But I remember Fred Price 30 years ago teaching that a, a man is only as good as his word. A, man, a man's word is his bond. And of course, that's all going by the wayside. But it is true. And so if somebody lies to you, you know, I had a guy once at I-30 come up, and, and I don't remember what the message was about. Somehow he was all agitated. And he said, he said, look, Pastor Gene, just because I, I commit adultery doesn't make mean I'm an adulterer. 
And I said, well, I said, okay, tomorrow's Monday. If you go rob a bank, what does that make you? Now, we can, we can go to God and we can get forgiveness. Do you understand? But if somebody's, if you're dating somebody and they keep lying to you, at some point, I mean, how come America hasn't done this with this rat doctor? Uh, you know, in other words, how many lies do we have to be told? Uh, and and if, you're, if you're wondering if what I'm saying is true, it's all over social media. All people have done is they've gone to this interview or that congressional testimony or this or that. And he says 15 con contradictory things over 15 months. I mean, literally, he'd have to have a flow chart to keep up with himself. Okay, but my point is, but people still believe. But God's never told me a lie once. I mean, I'm 65 years old. He's never lied to me. And yet people have, see, people have trouble. They'll, they'll watch a politician and believe what a politician says. It's not, I, I never cease to be amazed at this. You know, one party says, well, it was the other party that wanted to defund the police. And anybody that watched the news last year knows that the people saying the other party wanted to defund the police, they were the party that wanted to defund the police. And other, but, but people, and then this generation apparently has been taught in public schools that if you say something often enough, it's true. Well, it's not true. I mean, you can say a boy's a girl 20 million times, but that, that doesn't mean he can lactate and, and menstruate and, and, and birth a baby. You can, you can say it 100 million times, but that doesn't make it true. You understand? But, but they've been taught. And actually, my, every time I bring this up at the house, Sue points out, well, that is one of the tenets of communism. You just repeat it and repeat it and repeat it, and then everybody begins to believe it. But that doesn't make it true. So that's kind of what we're dealing with. And then who else does this to you? Satan does this to you. Because if you're praying about anything and you're believing God for anything, it's Satan, man, he just repeats the same stuff over and over and over. I mean, I know he's, he must be super intelligent. He was an archangel, but, you know, it's kind of like the same thing over and over and over. You're alone. Nobody's ever gone through what you're going through. Nobody cares. It's the same stuff over and over and over, you know? And maybe with 7 billion people on the planet, he's busy, so he can't come up with a new script. But, you know, it's just the same stuff over and over and over. And once you learn his voice, you learn to ignore. Right. Because it's just the same stuff over and over and over. Right. You're alone. Well, no, I'm not. Right. I have him on the inside. Amen. Amen. No one's ever gone through what you're going through. Well, we know this is not true from the New Testament that uh, these men were tested in all points like we are. Amen. Amen. And, then, and then too, you know, I, I've, ha I've had the advantage of traveling, so I know whatever I'm going through is nothing compared to what brothers and sisters around the world are going through. Amen. 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 This, this whole COVID thing, you know, people just don't realize. Everybody's so selfishly minded, but it has just completely wrecked Africa. I mean... It's really sad. South Africa is on the brink of total, complete chaos because of the, the poverty. You know, if we're feeling a little... David Yonggi Cho, who pioneered the largest church in the world, used to say it this way. 
when the economy of the United States catches a cold, the rest of the world catches pneumonia. And, and then you get down to the, that was South Korea, but you get down to the third world, like Africa, they just get wrecked. They get devastated. The damage done. And, uh, you know, it'd be nice if I didn't get this pulled off uh, the internet, but I could stand here from now until it was time to quit and, and tell all the lies over the years that they have rolled out and get people believing. One is, for example, that it's not a baby until it pops out of the womb. But it, because I pastor a great big church, I know from personal experience, we constantly have babies born and they're early. And I personally have held babies in my hands that's frightened me out of my mind because they were so tiny. And you know what? Their, their little chest was moving. Their heart was beating. Uh, they were breathing. They lived. Amen. So uh, there's no 39-week threshold, and then it becomes a human being. In other words, it's a human being. But they got everybody believing and repeating a lie. That's right. And that's what this world does. That's what Satan does. And it, and, but you remember when they told us on the same-sex marriage Supreme Court ruling that would be the end of it? Do you remember that? What are you so upset about? You know, it's just equal, equal for everybody, and that'll be the end of it. Well, that, it's just like step 3,952 in the long-term agenda. Right. In other words, then there's another one, and then there's another one, and then there's another one, and then there's another one. Somebody asked me yesterday if we'd been watching the Olympics. I said, what for? <laughs> you know, I mean, one team's got boys on it and they got beat by the blonde Swedes. And I, I said, you know, I thought that was so hilarious. You can't even beat, you can't even beat the Swedish women with boys on your team. I mean, there's no point watching any of it because it doesn't even make any sense anymore. And then even when, then who in your entire lifetime, has anybody ever got partway through the Olympics and quit? I mean, what's up with that? Spend four years training and get partway through and say, I'm out of here. You know, like it's a birthday party. My point is, in the midst of all of this insanity and all of these lies, I say there is one thing that is true, there is one thing you can count on, and there is one person who will never lie to you. Now, you may not always like what he has to say, because he may come along and say, repent. But he's going to tell you the truth. Amen? Anybody ever count on something and they didn't come through? I got my hand up. Well, see... That's what the world wants you to think of God. And that's what, that's what, unfortunately, that's what a lot of ministers want you to think of God. But I want you to see tonight that God and his word are one. And I'll show it to you from the word of God. Say it out loud. God, God and, his word and his word are one. Are one. Now, before the second person of the Trinity was ever known as Jesus, he was first known as the word. That's who he was. That's who he is. 
Jesus is his incarnation name. John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning through him. So he's not talking about a book, is he? He's not, because if it were a book, it would say through it. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Okay, then in Revelation 19, we see this name, the exact same title, name, used again, Revelation 19.11, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and makes war. Oh, boy, that doesn't fit into a lot of modern theology, does it? His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name. The rider of the white horse has a name. He has a name written on him that no one knows, but he himself, he is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him. Who's that? That's us. The army, because this is, this is, this is a description, not at the beginning of Daniel's 70th week, the beginning of the tribulation. This is a description of the coming of the Lord at the end of Daniel's 70th week, the tribulation, when he returns to planet earth. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses, dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. That's a quote out of Isaiah. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. Well, that doesn't really sound like the Jesus we hear modern preachers talk about. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So there's no mistaking who these verses are talking about because of verse 16. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So from... Before time itself ever began, God was linked with his word. Before the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ, it was the Father, the Word, and the Spirit. He made himself a part of it. I'm talking about the Word. God and his Word are one. Now back to John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was, was God. He was with God in the beginning through him. All things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Skipping down to verse 14, the word became flesh. The word, what became flesh or who became flesh? Word. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. I love it in the Greek. It literally reads that he tabernacled among us, that he pitched a tent and lived among us. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. So Father God is not only in his word, but he is in back of his word. You cannot separate Father God from his word. Father God is, you know, there are certain times in my life, now the Bible I know talks the Bible teaches against co-signing. I'm fully aware of this. And I've never co-signed a note for anybody in my life except my children. And the reason 
I have on occasion co-signed things for my children is I know me and at the end of the day I'd pay it anyway so I don't see I don't see that that's an issue but I do realize what the word says about not co-signing and now if you have children that are going to skip town or whatever or are co-kids well you probably ought not co-sign a note amen but mine are sober so I'm okay so my point is my point is though that when, when you co-sign a note, they use a, a term, they, they call that person a guarantor. In other words, uh, this over here is supposed to happen, but I'm the guarantor, I'm the one, I'm going to make sure it happens. Okay, so guess who the Word of God calls the guarantor of the Old Covenant? Father God. Genesis twenty-two sixteen. By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, he's talking to Abraham, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing, I love it. And why, why are you in the King James here? I love the language. In, because in ble- that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed. As the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore. So this was God's promise that backed the Abrahamic covenant, or as it is recorded in the New Testament. See, we know this also from the New Testament. Hebrews 6, 14, saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. So no wonder Abraham had such confidence, which led to this description of him in Romans 4, 17. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed. Who, who did he believe in? The God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. One of the illustrations last Sunday was Caleb. Caleb bragging to Joshua. I'm 85 years old and I'm just as vigorous and I'm just as strong and I'm just as able to go out to battle as I was when we came out of Egypt, which had been 45 years previous. And so he says, now give me the land that Moses promised me. Hebron. And so, you know, the language of faith and the language of God is so hilarious. And so Joshua said, okay, you know, it's yours. Well, that's the way God is because Hebron was full of Anakites. Hebron was full of giants. The Bible says Hebron was full of fortified cities. And so, you know, it's almost like God saying, you know, son, Pioneer Church in Arlington, Texas, and I'll give you everywhere you set your foot. Oh, that's easier said than done. <laughs> Because, you know, I mean, I got the city council and I got these banks and I got this and I got that and I got all. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but I, I said it. So, see, when God says something, as far as he's concerned, it's done. But now you got to go walk in it. Can you see that? So Joshua said to Caleb, okay, you can have Hebron, but that didn't mean that it was some kind of Star Trek vaporization of the Anakites and the giants. And, you know, in other words, Caleb had to go and take it. And how many of you know those folks probably didn't want to give up what they had? (laughs) Amen. Amen. So the God who what gives life to the dead, quickens the dead, the King James says, and calls things that are not as though they were. Now, people sometimes come along who have not been taught in this, and they confuse this with the so-called mind sciences. Um, 
was her name? Mary Baker Eddy, and what's that, what's that cult called? Huh? Christian Science? Yeah. See, they call things that are as though they weren't. You know, I sat behind a girl in high school, and I, I knew she was Christian Science, and I just wanted to, you know, it was high school. You know, I wasn't Dr. Jean Lingerfeld then. And so, you know, I wanted to razz her, and I said, so... So let me get this straight, because, you know, she was sick. She had, she had a cold, nose running down her face. You know, if it had been 2021, we would have put on hazmat suits. But anyway, so, you know, I was just razzing her. It's high school. And I said, so let me get this straight. You're not sick? Oh, no, I'm not sick. Well, what's that goo sliding down your face out of your nose? You know, I was just razzing her. But see, they call things that are as though they weren't. That's not God. God calls things that are not as though they were. See, he said, light be. And when God, Father God said, light be, there wasn't light. But he called it as though it was. He calls those things which are not as though they were. And that's what, that's what Caleb, that's what Joshua was actually doing to Caleb. Sure, you can have it. He was calling those things which are not as though they were. And where the misunderstanding of the faith message happens is people think that they don't have a part to play. And when, when they have a prejudice against taking action, it sabotages them because when Joshua comes along and says, sure, you can have uh, Hebron, they just think that they don't have to do anything and it's just going to fall into their lap. No, no, it won't. You have to go and you have your part to play. You have to go, here it is, you have to go and act like what God said is so. Yeah. And that's what, that's what Abraham did. We'll get to it. Father God not only called the things that are not as though they were and they leapt into being, but he watches over his word to see that not one word fails. We're going to come back to Romans 4. Jeremiah 1.12, the Lord said to me, you have seen correctly for I'm watching to see that my word is fulfilled. Say it out loud. My Father God, my Father God is, watching is watching to see, to see that, his that his word is fulfilled. You know, here's an example. I've got a generator at the house. And so uh, during the horrible freeze in February, it didn't kick on like it was supposed to. And so, you know, I was just dumbfounded. So, you know, I, I called, and uh, I didn't call the main line. I called the owner's son, and I said, I'm not sure what's going on, but this generator didn't kick on. And uh, so he shows up with his dad, you know, the guy, the owner. And they couldn't get it going right away. I don't remember the whole story. But he said to me, he said, Dr. Lingerfeld, we'll be back and we'll get this going. But because of who it was, I didn't think a thing about it. It was off my plate. There was an antifreeze and a, I think an oil leak or something. But anyway, so, but there are people like that, hopefully in everyone's life here tonight. And the next 45 people might lie to you, but hopefully you have somebody in your life that you can relate this to. And when they tell you something, you can count on it. Amen. Amen. See, and, and Satan is always trying to chip away at this in our hearts with Father God. But we can count on Father God. 
Amen. 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 And, and I have come. <laughs> Part of what has led me, we're having t-shirts made up say crazy faith. Part of what has, made, has led me to this thing of crazy faith is what I've come is when I, when I was a young man, I wouldn't really, I wouldn't trust so much rhema Christosis from the Lord. But as time has gone by and I've put on some decades, I have come to trust Rhema Christos words from the Lord. Amen. What do I mean by a Rhema Christos? You could be sitting here in the middle of a service and the Lord speak to your heart. You could be at prayer tomorrow morning and the Lord speak to your heart. Now, how do you discern whether it is a genuine Rhema Christos or just you having a, you know, hallucinations from eating too much last night. Well, does it line up with the written word of God? Can you find corresponding promises in the word of God to what you thought you just heard the Holy Spirit say to you? And if, if it does line up with the word of God, over the years, I've just come to take it to the bank. And that's why I believe in my own personal life, that's why I get not just better traction with faith, but faster. Because I just take it, I just take it as done. See, count it as done and go act like it's done. See, the Lord said to me, you have seen correctly for I'm watching to see that my word is fulfilled. The King James says, I will hasten my word to perform it. Say it out loud. The Lord, the Lord will, hasten will hasten his word to perform it. See, he's not slack. The, the, the New, New Testament says he's not slack concerning his promises. <laughs> Things have just so much changed. You know, when I was a young man, you, you'd hear people say it's in the mail. Uh, I guess it's harder to lie now because when, if it's electronic, you know if they're lying or not because you can see it in a couple of seconds. It's in the mail, you know, it's in the mail. Uh, it take a week to find out whether or not they're lying. Now, the Amplified Version, Jeremiah 1.12 Amplified says, I'm watching over my word to perform it. I love that. He's watching over his word to perform it. And that's why when we go to God on the basis of his word, that's, that's, that's the whole point of gaining access and being heard. Because we're, we're not just approaching God based on what we want We do this, you know, we, we want God to help us. But on what basis are we appealing to Father God to help us? Romans 4.18, back to Romans 4. Romans 4.18, speaking of Abraham, Paul wrote, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him. Say it out loud, just as it had been said to him. Just as it had been said to him. I guess I've done some good over the years because we, we played a video testimony here a while back and the lady on the video testimony told a story that I'd completely forgotten that they weren't able to have children. And on a Sunday morning, I said to her this, about this time next year, and that girl just graduated from St. Paul's Preparatory Academy a few weeks back. I'd, I, I'd completely forgotten that. And... Uh, but see, that was a Rhema Christos, but then also that lady took that as her Rhema Christos and it came into reality. 
But how much more, how much more, how much more when we hear Father God? And we don't have to hear Father God in prayer. We don't have to hear Father God by his Holy Spirit. We can hear Father God in the word. That's right. Amen. Amen. And we're going to get to this here in a Sunday or two. We, not this Sunday because of the week of increase. But when, when I think of I, ha- I have what God says I have. That's the third confession of faith. I have what God says I have. Automatically in my mind go to Galatians 3. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. So because there's a whole group out here and they will tell you that we can go to the New Testament to find promises, but we're not allowed to go to the Old Testament to find promises. Well, apparently those folks never read Galatians 3 because I find out in Galatians 3 that part of the reason Jesus came was so that the blessing of Abraham could be mine. Say it out loud. The blessing of Abraham is mine. So that authorizes me to go to the old covenant as well, find whatever promises cover my situation and apply them to my life in faith. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became. And it's against all hope. I mean, you know, he's 100 years old. This woman's 90 years old. Can you imagine? I mean, no artificial insemination, no surrogate mothers, no uh, whatever, no laboratories, none of that. I mean, you know, it's an act of faith. an act of faith because there was no artificial way of getting it done it's an act of faith and so became the father of many nations just as it had been said to him I don't talk about it much because people sometimes sometimes people could misconstrue what I'm saying and, and get off the rails but Everything I have done, everything I have done has been by rhema Christosis. I think I can nearly say that. Now, I've done some things by the written word of God, but I have done some crazy stuff. You know, I remember once a a lawyer sat up there in the office and told us that we couldn't get any progress on the, the gas, the mineral rights on this property. Uh, company was had declared force majeure on uh, their contract, which had expired. And uh, I'm sitting there at the table, and the, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, look at the sleeves. I mean, this shirt, I don't know how old this shirt is, but I mean, it's perfect. Because you know what? If it's not perfect, the Lord will tell me to give it away. But this shirt's perfect. Now, I'm not saying it's new, but it's perfect. The Lord said, look at his sleeves. And I looked at his sleeves, and I wouldn't say they were like at the homeless person level, but they were definitely really, really, really worn. And so when he left, you know, I told the people in the office, I said, well, we're going to fire him, and we're going to get us a new attorney. And somebody might say, that's crazy. Well, the Lord said, look at his sleeves. That's how we've done all of this. You know, I just follow. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He leadeth me into the green pastures. See, and this is also how we come to terms with Matthew 6. 
I don't know if I'll ever get to it on a Sunday morning. There's a very obscure Kenneth Hagin message. When I say obscure, it's not one that would be famous. And he tells a story about how that he was never right as a child, but he didn't know what was wrong with him. And he comes to age 17, and it's like the energy just stopped. And they go to these doctors, these specialists, one of the, you know, some of the most famous people in America were consulting on this case. Well, he had a deformed heart, and then he had an incurable blood disease. So at 17, he's bedfast. To make it worse, when he was a little boy, I think, I don't, before that, I don't know how far, how soon before that, but his father left his mother with these children. And so the mother tried to make it, but she couldn't. So they moved in with her parents in McKinney, Texas. And he, he tells the story about how that his grandmother was what he called a world-class warrior, and she had taught her daughter to do that. So his mother was a world-class warrior. And so he's now he's 17, he's in his grandpa's house, and he's bed fast. And the one doctor told him, you have a deformed heart, you got this incurable blood disease, you're going to die, so just stay ready to go. Because back then, America was by and large a Christian nation, you know, generally you're dealing with Christian people, and the doctor said, just, just stay ready to go. And so... When he gets back to his grand, grandparents' house, he, he tells God, he says, whatever I find in your word, I'm going to take it as true and I'm going to apply it to my life. And he starts reading Matthew 1. And he starts in. He gets to Matthew chapter 6. And because his grandmother was a world-class warrior and his mother was a world-class warrior, he gets to chapter 6, he closes the Bible, and he says, well, I can't do that because he'd have to give up worry. I mean, he's 17 years old. And then, then he went to complaining. Father God, I never had a real childhood. I was really never able to run and play with like other children. And then he started telling the Lord about his friends from school and, and how that, you know, they had a normal life. And the one uh, would... Uh, recruit people to go behind the, the drugstore. There was gambling going on back there and he had money in his pockets. And so H Brother Hagen was, was complaining to the Lord about his situation and months went by. And, and he would come in and out of these comas and he'd wake up and he'd ask his mom what time it was and it, find out it was a week later, two weeks later because he was fading in and out of these comas. And then something happened along the way and he had a conversation with his mother and he said, you know, I think I want to live. And she said, well, son, you know, wanting to is half the battle. That was just a cliche she used on him. And he said, well, I know what the other half of the battle is. So when she left the room, he went back to God and he said, Father, now forgive me. He said, I got to Matthew 6 and I got hung up because he said, I wouldn't give up worry. But he said, I ask your forgiveness because I told you that if I found it, your word, I'd believe it and I'd take action upon it and I'd act like the word was so. And he got, he asked the Lord to forgive him. And then he got, then Matthew 7, Matthew 8. It was only a few days later, he hit Matthew 11. See, because he, my point is, he got his mind right. right. 
his heart. And Jesus saith unto them, Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. I'm talking about God's word tonight. I'm talking about the veracity of God's word. I'm talking about how you can count on God and you, how you can count on God's word. Amen. But it's, it's, a lot of it is how you approach it. Amen. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. He just, 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 just a few days later, he gets to Mark 11, and he gets to verses 23 and 24, and he closed his Bible, and he said, verse 24, and when you pray, believe that you receive. He closes his Bible, says, Father God, in Jesus' name, I believe I receive healing from my deformed heart. Father God, in Jesus' name, I believe I receive healing for this incurable blood disease. He said, in the name of Jesus, I speak to my heart and I command my heart to be made whole and to be normal. In the name of Jesus, I speak to the blood in my body and I command the blood in my body to be whole and to be normal. And within minutes, he was off of that bed. He was completely healed. And he went on to preach the gospel 69 years. But do you see... (laughs) the lesson he learned from getting hung up on Matthew 6 and the adjustment he made down in here is what enabled him when he got to Matthew, when he got to Mark 11 to get healed and come up off of that bed in just a few minutes. A miracle. And then it's not like he was a basket case. Then he went on and preached the gospel 69 years. So our attitude when we approach this verse or that verse is everything. And if we take the attitude, well, you know, come on, lucky seven, well, we're not going to have the same results as if we say, God said it, that settles it. Because, frankly, a lot of us like to have a backup plan. Just as it had been said to him. Say it out loud. Just as it had been said to him. And then notice the next verse, and I got to quit. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding what? The promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what God had promised. You know, I discovered today that there's a world beyond ours. In fact, there's several worlds beyond ours. I I had a guy sit up here today and tell us about a local family. And uh, they have $6 billion. And they have it all in tax-free municipal bonds. And even with the interest rates as lousy as they are, that generates $300 million a year tax-free for that family. That's, that's not just a world beyond where I'm at. That's like, I don't know, 100 worlds beyond where I'm at. But, but the point is, if somebody from that family came along and they said to you, 
I'm, I'll handle this for you. I'll take care of this for you. I'll see that it gets done. You should not take their word as being true or certain compared to your father God. Amen. Because $6 billion is, to our God is not anything. Because our God owns the gold and the silver and the earth. In fact, forget about that. I mean, how many minerals are on the moon? How many minerals are on Mars? I mean, God owns all of it. Amen. I mean, there's no way to quantify the wealth of God. And so the way Abraham did this was being fully persuaded that God had power. Say it out loud. God has power to do what he has promised. Yeah. So you can understand that when the Lord spoke to Abraham, it solved the problem for Abraham for because it was God's word. Abraham counted it as done, and we don't do this. And I, I wouldn't recommend starting on some big, huge thing, but we need to do this, and we need to work our way up. We need to change levels. Amen. Romans 4.18, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him. So Abraham never tried to believe. This is where I wanted to get to. Abraham never tried to believe. My whole life, let me, let me go back. When we were teenagers and we would go to church, people were trying to get more faith. You know, if I, if I could just have more faith. And I don't know how many times I've heard that over my 48 years preaching the gospel. Pastor Gene, if I could just have more faith. Pastor, if I could just have the faith you've, ha you've had. Well, Abraham never tried to believe. You're not going to find one verse in here about Abraham praying for faith or Abraham believing God for faith or Abraham fasting for faith. I mean, there's no evidence he ever tried to have any faith. I think that kind of language would have been completely foreign to him. Abraham never tried to believe. He simply acted on the word of that heavenly visitor. We've been trained wrong. We've been trained wrong. I mean, it'd be like having a dog and training it to pee in the living room. Well, how do you, how do you undo that? You know, pee in the living room, do it number two in the kitchen. In other words, if you train it to do that, how do you untrain it? See, untraining something is harder than training. And I think we've been trained wrong. What if we just went to the book and we found a verse that covered our situation and we said, Father God, this is what you said, and so I count it as done, and that's the end of it. But see, again, what tripped up Brother Hagin is what trips us up. It's that Matthew 6 problem. It's worry. Because we like to worry about stuff, and it's not just the women. Yeah. And this is why here at Faith Christian Center, we're constantly trying to motivate you to take action on the Word of God because it is taking action on the Word of God that releases our faith. Say it out loud. It is taking action, is taking action on, the God, on the Word of God that releases our faith. I mean, think about it. There's no record of Abraham trying to believe God. There's no record of Abraham going to a faith seminar. There's no record of Abraham uh, trying to connect to some evangelist or whatever. He just, he just acted like what God had said is so. And then that where we started off tonight, the promise actually God being the guarantor of that old covenant was based on God said to Abraham, because you have done this. We don't pay enough attention to the language of the word of God. God said to Abraham, this was at the sacrifice of Isaac 
or after the sacrifice of Isaac, which didn't occur, but it did occur because Abraham went to do it. And God said, because you have done this, we miss this. God didn't say because you thought about it. God didn't say because you intended to do it. God didn't say because you had good, good, uh, good intentions. God said, because you have done this. Because you have done this and not withheld. I'm not trying to get you all convicted, but we live in a withholding generation. Because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. We want God to be all in with us. But how many of us live all in with God? Something Kenneth Copeland said way back in the 70s has always stayed with me. He said, if I can't get it by faith, I don't want it. And I think we spend a lot of our lives scheming and plotting and conniving and manipulating and maneuvering and doing all kinds of stuff to get stuff that we couldn't get from God. So, you know, we're going to go get it ourselves. Now, I'm not saying we, we, we shouldn't borrow money or go buy a car or whatever, but I'm saying with the help of the Lord, I can do anything. That's what David said, with the help of the Lord. I can scale a wall with the help of the Lord. I can, I can run through a troop. That's right. Amen. So it's not that we're not doing th- something, but we're doing it with the help of the Lord. Amen? Amen. And when he speaks to us, we, we, we can respond. We can take, take him at his word. His word is true. His word is good. He will not fail. He's watching over his word to perform it. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.